Welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast, a series about how space technology, colonization, and exploration are transforming our solar system. 60 Seconds in Space, a female physicist from Princeton invented a new fusion rocket propulsion concept that could get to Mars 10 times faster than electric field propulsion in in a month or a few with um, a 500-ton spacecraft that would be dependent on your power level. The way it works is by using magnetic fields to fire plasma particles and plasmoids out of the rocket thruster. Um, and last year, a breakthrough NASA-funded study discovered that a majority of the biological challenges from spaceflight in microgravity, they all stem from the dysregulation of mitochondria that leads to mit- mitochondrial overuse, chronic inflammation, and the disruption in the cell cycle, circadian rhythm, and eyesight. Our guest today is Dr. Egbert Edelbrook, who has a background in organizational sciences with a deep passion for space and the multiplanetary effort. He's the founder and CEO at Spaceborn United, a Dutch company founded in 2015 on the mission to enable human reproduction in space. Dr. Egbert, oh, sorry, <laughs> so it's Dr. Egbert Edelbrook. Yes, it's not very easy to pronounce, uh, Okay, that's fine, that's perfect. Okay. Dr. Egbert, welcome to the Frontier Space Podcast. Thank you, Cole. I'm very happy to be here. Whereabouts are you calling in from today? I'm from the Netherlands, from the city of Eindhoven, in the south of of the Netherlands. Wonderful. It's a beautiful country. Alrighty, let's uh, jump into things. Could you uh, share more about yourself and... um, Sure, sure, I would love to. Um, I guess most people would call me uh, a serial entrepreneur with a research focus. Um, I'm I'm passionate about uh, innovation and accelerating innovation, especially uh, in terms of space life science um, and about helping to push humanity beyond the next frontier to become a multi-planetary species. Uh, But about myself, Five years ago, I founded Spaceborn United, uh, the research and mission development company. Uh, And before that, uh, before I focused on space life science, my focus was uh, researching courage development in organizations. So I got my PhD uh, for that research. And this also gave me the opportunity to connect the the different domains of, uh, for example, biology, neurology, and psychology. by, by, connect, by uh, connecting different domains, I learned once more that I really enjoy innovating and, and exploring boundaries by connecting domains that are usually uh, separated. And that, that's actually also my key role in Spaceborne United. Oh, and I'm a sperm do- donor. I think that, that is unique and it's important in, 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 the, in the story how it all began, but later more about that. Awesome. I would love to hear more about your founding story and, and what inspired you to embark on this mission. Yeah, well, as I, as I mentioned, um, I decided to become a sperm donor in, in uh, 2010. And not so long after this, my interest in space exploration and in advanced concept development started to accelerate. And as a donor, uh, as a sperm donor, I learned uh, a lot about the IVF clinics and and their IVF technology. 
more specifically assisted reproductive technologies. And this inspired me to explore um, the options to use the existing te technologies also for use in space. And it seems uh, that could bring us closer to becoming a post-planetary species. Um, and actually in no time, more and more experts joined that initial feasibility uh, exploration. And so uh, I turned it into a company, in a research company, Spaceborne United. Amazing. Cool. And um, so you mentioned in email that, that um, one of your key focuses is currently on the Lotus mission. Um, yes, that's true. The, the focus for the next few years and, and the Lotus mission uh, is about um, conception in space and early embryo development. So there will be an unmanned mission, a five-day mission um, in which uh, the reproductive cells from male and females will come together. So the conception will happen in, in low Earth orbit. And then the first five days of embryo development will, uh, will continue inside our incubator as well. And we want to recover this biosatellite. So after the five days in orbit, it will return to the surface of Earth and the, the, the embryos will be examined for their health. And if, they're, if the health is perfect, they could eventually also be used to, to become real children. And well, they will be the first children in history that were conceived in space. Um, how it is perceived as well, and that's, that's nice for PR and then boosting the awareness of, of a lot of people for the, 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 the reasons for, uh, for space research. But the scientific reason for this mission is because we need to learn if the gravity levels on uh, Mars, for example, uh, if they will be sufficient for healthy embryo development. And, and we want to learn uh, learn that in a cheap way. We don't want to send stuff to uh, or IVF incubators all the way to, to Mars to learn about this. We can do this close to Earth in low Earth orbit. And we, um, we because our satellite will provide artificial gravity in an adjustable way so we can adjust it exactly to the Mars gravity level. How big is this incubator or, or biosatellite? Um, we are finalizing the, 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 the payload design, uh, which is mostly the, the incubator, uh, which will be about the size of a microwave, a small microwave. Nice, nice. And uh, other organizations could could they one day um, conduct their their own experiments on board? Uh, that is possible. We we are looking into um, um, in, in, into the animal models uh, because if 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 we're talking about the long term inter interests, uh, if we want to terraform Mars, eventually that will happen. And then we will also want to select um, the most optimal animals to, to, to be there. Uh, and, and the mammals, we could do research on, on mammals in, in our platform, in our incubator. So that, that will be an option in the, in the future. Very interesting. Um, I can't wait for those days. <laughs> It's, it's um, an exciting time, and, and we, we are very happy to, to be able to contribute to a few small steps to, to this bigger, brighter future. 
what do you guys foresee as the largest uh, challenges or, or risks to, to human reproduction in um, for space flight in, in orbit and, and on Mars? Um, yeah, um, those are different questions, but let, let's start in, in, in general. Um, radiation and, and gravity are, are both, um, let me just, I, I wanted to check on my notes, so I'll, I'll answer again. And uh, now I have my correct notes in front of me. Uh, yes, in, in, in general, uh, it's always about gravity and radiation um, and, and uh, reproduction in microgravity is a bad idea. That's not going to happen. Um, human embryos, they need a certain level of, of gravity for healthy development. Um, so you, we will have to, you will have to work with artificial gravity in, in some way. Um, if we're talking about low earth orbits in, in microgravity. Um, if you look at uh, the gravity on Mars, for example, uh, I mean, the human body is designed to function best in, in earth gravity level. And embryos need enough gravity for healthy development of all the organs and tissues. And if the gravity is lower than earth gravity level, the mother uh, of the baby will also experience uh, loss of bone mass and, and, and muscles. And, and uh, also for the delivery process, women need sufficient muscles to, to, to push the baby out effectively. Um, so we, we expect uh, countermeasures to compensate for the lower gravity on, on Mars, uh, depending on the research outcomes. Uh, but we expect uh, the easiest way is to provide uh, artificial gravity uh, at night. So in intervals during the day, most of the time you, you can be uh, outside in, in, with normal Mars gravity. And at night you compensate uh, in a, like a rotating bedroom or maybe a large rotating sleep areas. Um, and if we look at the, the radiation uh, challenge, uh, well, especially uh, on Mars, there's hardly any protective atmosphere. So especially pregnant women, um, because well, the terraforming and, and creating an atmosphere that will take, uh, that might take a hundred or 150 years, depending on the technology and the innovation that will keep uh, going on. But um, one challenge is also to arrive on Mars with, with, with healthy and functioning reproductive organs in the first place. Um, the human body will absorb and process really a lot of radiation during a well, four to six months uh, trip to Mars. So uh, that's another challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, sounds like you guys are really pioneering the research to um, help help mitigate those risks. Well, that's too much credit. Um, we think we, we do very important work, but we, we built upon the work that has been done earlier by, by NASA, ESA, uh, other research institutes. Uh, and we are, we're really focusing on, on, um, on, on some stages of reproduction. Reproduction is not one thing. It, it consists of many stages and, and we, we take it step by step. And, and the first step is, is conception and early embryo development. And uh, we, are, we are also looking at the very last stage, the childbirth in space. I mean, our name is a, is a big hint, of course, space-born, united. So that's another element of reproduction that we are focusing on. Awesome. 
um, and I was also reading about the um, high G's during launch and reentry could be a challenge. Exactly. That's that's. I mean, you, you got the the, um, the the lower gravity challenge, but also the higher gravity challenge, especially in a mission where we want to uh, enable a pregnant woman to to have the first childbirth in space. I mean, she will um, she will be pregnant on Earth and the last 24 to 36 hours, she will go into space. Uh, and, and that comes with, with gravity peaks, definitely. Yeah, it's um, exciting stuff. I was also uh, reading about some interesting um, participant selection requirements for the, um, for the mothers to, to, to become the first female um, to make the first baby off, off planet. Um, and you mentioned you guys are designing the, the biomedical equipment, such as the um, in vitro fertilization and the, um, and the incubator. Um, mm -hmm. What exactly are those technologies and, and, and how could they enable reproduction? We, we are uh, starting with existing uh, IVF technology, so existing embryo incubators. Uh, we are re-engineering these incubators for use in space, which means that uh, we need uh, radiation protection, uh, but we also need to enable conception in a normal on earth incubator. Um, the embryos are already, uh, they're all, they already start as embryos. So we will also enable the conception, uh, but that's not, not that's uh, from a technical point of view, not, not too complicated. More complicated is the cryogenic uh, storage of the embryos after five days. We need to do this uh, to protect the embryos from the, all the vibrations and the G peaks uh, during re-entry and the recovery. And we want to make sure the development stage of the embryos is on the ideal uh, timing. So when we can do research in the best way, um, because we are still um, finalizing the details of the recovery approach and we need to make sure that um, the embryos are all in the same stage. So uh, we are adding these functionalities to the existing IVF technology. Um, and um, well, I think that that sums it up in a nutshell. Awesome. Um... And uh, what, what are the um, artificial wombs? Yes, the, 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 this is more, uh, I mean, artificial wombs, uh, they do not exist yet, not in the, in the way that uh, people envision them. Like you start with, with, with an egg cell and a sperm cell, and then there's a baby growing gradually. The only artificial wombs that are existing are uh, for premature birth. So if a baby is uh, like 24 weeks old, uh, it's better to, to keep it inside an artificial womb than to have it in, an, in the standard uh, incubator that we, we already have. And, and they are now re-engineering it for use uh, on, on, on human babies that are premature. Um, so that's, for that reason, they are developed. And uh, I can, we, we expect that uh, for space exploration reasons, they will also be developed for use in, in um, 
well, making sure that, that we can create babies without um, putting women at risk. Um, and and it's, it, it can be easier to protect a small volume, of course, than the, the complete volume of a full-grown uh, human body. Uh, and there's a related approach to this, uh, especially if we are ready to uh, to send uh, women to Mars with the intent to stay and to also reproduce. Um, humanity still needs to figure out if they will arrive there, as, as I mentioned before, and if the reproductive organs will still be functional and healthy. If they expect that will not happen, there is an option that um, the reproductive organs are removed on Earth and put in cryo stage in a small volume, and they will travel with the, the, the owner with the women to Mars and um, there they can be protected a lot easier and more cost-effective in that way uh, and, and we can make sure in the first place that, that they arrive healthy but of course it takes a lot of uh, procedures to, to, to put them back safely and, and, and that's a big that's a big uh, intervention for for a human body to, to experience but those could be options 80% of, of what we do focuses on our Lotus mission, the conception mission in space, in low Earth orbit. And the rest nice. is mainly focused at uh, preparing the childbirth mission, but that might be 15 years or even 20 years ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, a really exciting uh, journey and, and, and uh, next few decades coming up. Um, yeah, I, I think in the long term, the radiation risk will be um, uh, significantly reduced, um, both both in terms of the uh, spacecraft design and the uh, settlement. Yeah, they're they're working on this on on so many levels from the dozens of research institutes. For example, the, the Belgium Nuclear Research Center. They they also uh, are developing pharmaceuticals that help enhance the radi radiation resistance on the cell level. Uh, they're, they're working on, on, on this from various approaches. So I trust they will figure out a lot of uh, helpful interventions eventually. And a few more questions here. Um, the up and coming space tourism industry and, and, and space hotels, you know, they, they directly complement what you guys are doing. It's, it's really exciting indeed, especially the, the, the space hotels, and, and we are watching them closely um, because they might also become magnets for couples that might have the idea to try to make the first naturally conceived baby in space and, and, and get some place in the history books, maybe even sent by upcoming space nations or, or supported by those nations because it's interesting uh, to, to claim such an achievement. It can be interwoven in the new space race between upcoming space nations. Uh, but this is, there are some medical um, complications that can be expected if they, if they are not um, supervised by uh, good medical uh, consultants, etc. And we, we are even considering to, to offer that service to space hotels to prevent crazy couples that, uh, that, that ignore these risks. Um, and we are with, with a university in the UK, we are uh, writing a paper on these risks 
in the space hotel. So we expect. Awesome. Can't wait to read it. To be continued. <laughs> and yeah, I was um, reading about Asgardia, the, the, the first mm -hmm. um, digital nation and, and first digital space nation. They were founded by the, um, the Russian billionaire, Dr. Igor Asherbeli, is that? Asherbeli, yes. Asherbeli, yes. nice. Um, I was wondering if you could share more about your um, interest and, and a potential collaboration. Well, we are we are certainly exploring um, scenarios for further collaboration, and, and um, I mean, I've been very thankful for some opportunities they have given me to, to be on their stage in, in, uh, during their uh, science and investment congress in Germany, um, and, and to be in their uh, magazines, uh, the space journals, uh, and to be part of their uh, their, their digital uh, parliament. Um, and well, the, the, the match is, is uh, remarkable, of course. I mean, their, their final goal, their final vision is to, to enable childbirth in space, which is also our ambition and well, our name's clear, obviously. And the science uh, departments especially uh, has the, the, the key scientific goal of enabling uh, reproduction in space. So. It made it made a lot of sense to uh, to connect and to to see how we could collaborate. And, and but this is this is uh, still in progress. This exploration, but I have uh, good expectations, and, and uh, I, I haven't felt um, welcome so much in a long time by any uh, organization. Amazing, yeah. I, uh, it's my first time reading about the, the and, and and hearing about the, the digital nation. Um, I think there's a tremendous potential there um, um, in terms of uniting humans together and, and building communities. Um, and, and so it'll be curious yeah, how uh, the, 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 the digital nations kind of uh, transcend to, to space. It, it's a good way, uh, a good approach to, 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 to have this, this exercise also of, of how will this work to, to uh, to, to make agreements between people from so many countries, um, eventually they, they, uh, they plan to, to uh, enable habitats in, in space. Uh, and we need to, we need to learn uh, all the difficulties and challenges uh, up front rather than when it's too late and we are there. So all these processes are, are, being, um, are being tried here in a good way and, and it's growing and the professionalism Professionalism is, 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 is even growing. Um, and, and I think uh, a good focus for them uh, would be to, to stay focused on, on life science research uh, because that's uh, all the other space billionaires um, and their, their organizations, they're focusing on, on engineering. And of course we need the best spacecraft to, 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 to bring people to, uh, to the moon and to Mars. And, 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 uh, and, and even further, but uh, we're, we're sending humans there. And we, we, we need to learn so much more about all the, the biological processes and how, how we can protect uh, human life in space. And, and, and that's a delicate subject for, for uh, especially for, for governmental agencies like NASA and ESA and the others. And then I really like um, something that stood out was that um, you guys are striving to, to ensure that the overall mission risk um, 
uh, of childbirth in space is um, not higher than the average childbirth on Earth. Exactly. Our experts uh, strongly believe that, that we can achieve this already with the existing approach and, and te uh, biomedical technology that, that, there, that, there, that there is available today. Um, we don't expect to, to have this mission, to execute this mission uh, within 10 or 15 years. Um, so by then, it will be even a lot more safe than uh, childbirth on Earth to, to, to uh, high Western uh, medical standards. But, but that's, there, there's also a lot of work to do. And uh, we, we'll, we're taking it step by step. Let's, let's first enable conception in space, which is already a tremendous step, of course. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll trust in you and your team to uh, deliver the first space baby, uh, maybe in 2030. Uh, Let's hope so. Thanks so much, Dr. Egbert. It was my pleasure, uh, Cole. So uh, I hope uh, I wish you all uh, good luck with uh, the rest of your podcast and everything else you're doing. So keep up the great work and uh, thanks for having me. Likewise. Um, at Astra. At Astra. <laughs>